0: Welcome, Screensavers. I'm Michael Gallup.
1: I'm Matt Sturdivant. I'm Tyler Sutkus.
0: Together, we host the Silver Screensavers podcast, a show about the world of cinema and a celebration of our love of movies. We will be doing reviews, previews, film news, specialists, and most of all, we want to hear from you. We'll be breaking down the box office hits and hopefully helping you discover some movies that you may not have otherwise seen. Tonight is our Halloween special. A little later, we'll be doing a review of Halloween Kills and sharing our top three scary things to watch. But for now, let's check in with what everyone's been watching this week. Matt, what have you been watching?
1: Um, So I I had a pretty busy week, so I really haven't been watching a whole lot, except I did binge-watch all the Halloween movies from the current continuity in preparation for our upcoming review. So I started out with Halloween 1978, which... I have yet to see, I still have yet to see the whole thing through because I was so dog tired that night. I fell asleep halfway through. Um, that is not a detriment to the movie. It was totally my fault, not the movie's fault. Um, but then I, the next night, I went and rewatched Halloween twenty eighteen, which is definitely one of the best horror movies I've seen in recent years. And having nothing but uh, amped up and excited to see how they continued it in Halloween Kills. All right. Well, I can't wait to hear how that, whether that uh,
0: disappointed you or not, Tyler. What have you been watching?
2: Uh the best horror movie of all time, Alien, which I watch about ten times a year. So, but right, I mean, I'll talk about that later.
0: Bit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, gave it away a little bit. All <laughs> I, right, that's I have what been... I watched <laughs> this week? I watched uh, I watched The Fly, which is David Cronenberg's. Uh, 80s horror classic about uh, a man who builds a teleportation device um, and goes through it, but with a fly, which kind of uh, deforms his body, slowly turns him into a man fly. Uh, Jeff Goldblum, Gina Davis are wonderful in this. It's absolutely amazing. Uh, it's one of those movies where, like, the first half is better than the second half, I would say. Uh, but it's got the signature Cronenberg kind of really disgusting special effects. Um, Doing it all back then, I would say even better than a lot of horror movies do nowadays. Uh, I also watched The Courier, which was a a movie from earlier this year. Um, This is from director Dominic Cook. It's Benedict Cumberbatch. Uh, It's about an English man uh, during the 60s who uh, teams up with a man in the Soviet Union to get secrets on nuclear weapons and it was pretty good Again, one of those movies that starts out really well it's pretty exciting there's a lot of interesting tension and then it kind of falls flat a little bit in the later parts um, and that's what I've been watching we got a couple of movie news items here the first one is maybe not news but just kind of a picture or two and that's Tim Chalamet as Willy Wonka, and I will ask first, how do we feel about this, and two, do we really need another Willy Wonka?
1: Well, do we really need another Michael Myers, or do we really need another Star Wars? Not the question. I know that's not the question, <laughs> but I, I have a, I, I have a feeling we're getting another sequel boot here, or in this case, probably a prequel boot, because Tim Chalamet is way younger than. Gene Wilder or Johnny Depp.
0: I mean, yeah, I don't think um, he was just dressing up as Willy Wonka on the street.
1: I don't know, that does sound like something Tim Chalamet might do, from from my perception of him. But, I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I mean, I've been a huge fan of the sequel boot formula, at least for the first movie in the sequel boot formula. So far, not to get too, too uh, spoilery on our later review here, but so far... I know studios are not able to land the sequel to the sequel boot. Um, and I have a couple examples that I will talk about later. Um, but I think it looks promising. You, I have no problem with it. You know what's a question I never asked while watching the Gene Wilder
2: original? Is How did he get here? Like What? <laughs> I, I <didn't... laughs>
0: so interestingly enough, during the Tim Burton version... Uh, Tim Burton will come up later, is they go into Willy Wonka's childhood a little bit and he has a reconciliation with his dentist father and I'm not gonna lie, I love both the versions of Willy Wonka slash Charlie and the Chocolate Factory uh, that we've already gotten. I love both Gene Wilder and Johnny Depp. um, So I'm certainly willing to give Tim a shot. Uh, I just, it, it just seems soon after after the previous one. We... It's been
1: 15 years.
0: <laughs> yeah, for a, a man who invites children to his years. candy factory.
2: <laughs> but do we... It's just... Oh, sorry,
1: you can go. No, go ahead.
2: I was going to say, like, is this a character we need? Like, you know, they're just giving prequels to everyone now, like every character we've ever seen. Is this, is this one that, like, that was the top of the list? Like, this needs to be made today?
0: <laughs> yes. I, I will say, the original movie has one of my favorite musical tropes, which is it has one of those songs that somebody sings, and it's always a sad song, and always nobody cares about it. And that's when Charlie's mom (laughs) sings, like, Cheer Up Charlie. (laughs) And, like, they always cut it out when it's on cable because just, like, nobody wants to hear it. It's not good. So, I don't know. I mean, we'll see how it is. I... I always liked Willy Wonka. I always liked the Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. It's a great book by Roald Dahl. Pretty much anything by Roald Dahl is amazing. Um, so I, is, I, I'm looking for. Is it. this gonna yeah. be like a
2: gritty, gritty prequel? Like, like.
0: I hope not. I don't know why everything has to be gritty it's nowadays. Be the Philadelphia if... Flyers. The if Flyers they... <laughs> have already kind of owned gritty now, so I don't <laughs> think anyone can top that.
1: If um if it was supposed to be gritty, they would have cast Robert Pattinson. <laughs>
0: Yeah, they would have cast Robert Pattinson as the Willy Wonka. <laughs> the... the chocolate man. The candy man. But then they're like, oh shoot, that was already taken. <laughs> oh, Tyler, what's, what's your fun fact about, about the Candyman song?
2: What's my fun fact? Oh, that Sammy yeah. Davis Jr. hates it? <laughs> yeah. It's his only number one hit and he absolutely hated it and refused to play it. <laughs>
0: Sounds about right. That's unfortunate. All right. uh, Tyler and I are pumped about this. Jennifer Coolidge said that she is coming back for White Lotus season two. Uh, White Lotus was a miniseries on HBO about uh, these wealthy families staying at this Hawaiian resort and the clashes they have both with themselves and with the employees there. Um, I did not expect to like this show as much, but this has been one of my favorite watches of of all of 2021 and i guess it's not really going to be a miniseries anymore because there's going to be a, a season two
2: i'm definitely shocked that jennifer coolidge was the one that was brought back out of all of them
0: i mean you don't say no to
1: Coolidge.
2: no i i got I nothing against it i'm just saying like if you ask me to pick who i think she'd be pretty low on the list who was coming back Matt,
1: did you watch white lotus i did not so i don't really have an opinion on this one
0: Oh, it's, it's great. I definitely recommend it. Luckily, we all have uh, probably more than a year to catch up before this, this Season 2 comes out. Uh, I I haven't read, but maybe Mike White is doing Season 2 as well? He is. Uh, Mike White, mm-hmm. incredible writer.
1: Yeah, the oh, Emoji movie was awesome.
0: Well, listen, he, <laughs> School of Rock, which is a perfect movie. I'm saying it right now, School of Rock has no fat on it. It's perfect. Uh, Chuck and Buck, Brad status, I'm for Mike White. Sometimes you gotta get paid, you know what I mean?
1: I guess so. I (laughs) guess I gotta give him that. Can't knock the hustle.
0: For our Halloween episode, the first one is The Black Phone. Uh, You guys watch this one. This one appears to be about uh, a child abductor played by Ethan Hawke. So, when he, like, jumps out of the van in the trailer, I was like, is that Ethan Hawke? And it, like... (laughs) kept me in suspense for like 15 seconds and <laughs> i'm like i feel like that's Ethan Hawke although i haven't seen him play a child abductor before and then when they confirmed it i was like oh great
1: see i didn't even i didn't even get the notion that it was Ethan Hawke i was just it was when they put his name on the screen i'm like oh that was Ethan Hawke
0: oh no my my hawk meter is always, <laughs> your always on your hawk
1: senses were going up
0: yeah
2: i i i, yeah, I
0: just...
1: think
2: it and I, I don't fault the movie i fault the studio for this trailers are too long now way I too much in that trailer for a suspense yeah. horror movie
0: so that that will bring me to the other one that i watched i watched the trailer for the new scream um which it was wicked cool to see david arquette courtney cox nev campbell all of them returning uh but the the trailer does seem to kind of give away the first kill i mean maybe maybe they're tricking us and it it begins a different way but they pretty much show the entirety of yeah of the entire first kill which is like a signature of of the franchise and of the horror slasher franchise in general so mm, i I, I don't know i agree i also and we all know this is one of our pet peeves when they have a teaser (laughs) right before the trailer it'll show you like an image of spider-man it'll be like the spider-man no way home trailer starts now and you're like yeah Yeah, i clicked on the link i clicked to watch the spider-man trailer i don't need you to tell me that this is what it is oh i I get so upset about that i don't pick up a copy of to kill a mockingbird and then flip to the first page you're about to read to kill a mockingbird
2: (laughs) yeah i know that in case you're there accidentally you're just like oh that's not what i meant to do (laughs) thanks for alerting. i don't need it i don't need it (laughs)
0: Alright, those are a couple of of scary trailers Uh, But now let's move into a movie That we did actually see this weekend This is Halloween Kills This is a a mega sequel To the entire Halloween franchise But a direct sequel To the Halloween reboot uh, From 2018 So how about we get general thoughts Tyler, what did you think? Hated it
2: Okay. (laughs)
1: Absolutely hated it Wow, okay there Ebert
2: two thumbs down (laughs) Uh, I I just thought it was way too cheesy they leaned way too much into humor to the point where like the the storylines of the other characters in the town felt like a different film from like the uh, Jamie Lee Curtis storyline and also Jamie Lee Curtis sidelining
1: her was a terrible decision
2: I agree yeah (laughs) just did not
1: work at all
0: Matt what did you think?
1: you know what I um I, I can't say I hated it I I didn't I, I was entertained, I was able to watch it I I thought that it had some good ideas, but they just were not executed very well
0: Yeah, I will say this movie made me think very deeply about slasher films and like the kind of oversaturation of them mm-hmm. uh, and what I mean by that is especially with these long franchises, Nightmare on Elm Street, Friday the 13th, and Halloween, uh, is that we see them so many times, and we know that the killer's going to awaken in the beginning somehow. We know he's going to kind of pick off people one by one or two by two, and then eventually there's going to be some grand confrontation. They'll probably get defeated for a moment but pop back up, right? Yep. Mm -hmm. And I just thought you know is will there be a point when this just gets so tired that there are diminishing diminishing returns with each kind of new movie right which is why i kind of appreciated that they did go in a different direction i thought the first hour of this movie was kind of a tired version of the same thing that we've already seen i didn't i wasn't particularly scared or interested in the kills uh, let me ask right now when he When Michael killed the older couple in that house, why would he, like, stab every knife into the guy's body?
1: Yeah, I have something to say on that. Um, I think think the first act was very performative. He was almost too performative with the kills. I mean, I get it's a slasher movie. It's meant to be a spectacle. But considering the way that the movie starts to shift in the second act, which I'm sure you were probably getting to, um, yeah, I I think it just makes the tone just you there while the to- makes it it makes a tonal shift um, later on in the movie just seem kind of jarring.
0: Yeah, I it was especially we get this flashback in the beginning where um, where the police officer is young and he sees Michael in the house and Michael kills his partner. And there was a very interesting moment there where Michael kills the partner in the bedroom. And then Michael just immediately is like, "I right, peace out. Yeah, like, immediately. Yeah. Yeah. He, as soon as the guy's hop, heart stops beating, Michael's out. Like, I just... I feel like Michael is never, like you said, this performative killer. Where he's doing all these creative things. And I feel like in this movie they exaggerated the character a little bit just because they had some cool kill ideas and they're like oh we should have
1: michael do this even though michael i i don't know i don't yeah i don't think his character in the context of the story would would be that performative right if it wasn't trying to ham fist a bunch of uh like fanfare and you know fan service there is the precedent though of the other movies where he does like set up the corpses and like well, that's what I thought was going to happen. But, but those movies were retcons, so. <laughs>
2: I mean, he's still doing them. He did the Ghost one in the the first reboot.
1: I I guess. He, he's yeah, putting true. the
2: pumpkin heads on. You know, he's he's he's, he's decorating okay. in his crime scenes. Oh yeah,
0: I thought he was going to do that with the guy's body who he stabbed every night. Yeah, and they just laughed. Was he also weirdly uh,
2: stretched out around the table, or was that just the angle?
0: Like, that may have just. It might, been the, I think I was just the angle. I was more focused on the the poor lady who had yeah. her uh, neck split open with a
1: broken light bulb. That one I kind of liked. That one. That one was on. Like, that was on like my top three kill list because I thought that one was interesting, albeit pretty overly performative.
2: Yes. How many times in this movie did a character like scarily, scaredly hold a knife at him? <laughs> I think every character <laughs> every in the film. <laughs> so this
0: is. It was a lot of the same old stuff. So this middle part really, really fascinated me. I was kind of like awakened by this movie in the middle. When they have... So escaped from the asylum was Michael and another patient who is not a harm to anybody, perhaps maybe just a threat to themselves. Uh, A lot of the town of Haddonfield is, is trapped in the hospital. And... Anthony Michael Hall, who plays Tommy, right? Yes. The older version of Tommy, he just decides that he's had enough. Every character in this movie decides that they need to be the one to kill <laughs> Michael. And they also need to announce that they have to be the one to kill Michael. It, <laughs> it has to be me. No, yeah. it has to be me. No, it has to be... Like, everyone. Honestly. And he, he has... What was the name of the bat?
1: Oh, Old Huckleberry. Old I wrote Huckleberry. that one, Barry. Old
0: Huckleberry. <laughs> and he thinks he, he thinks that he's getting Michael with a bat. Which, uh, good luck with that one. Honestly, not even. But I'm they're all in the already? hospital, and they all the uh, other escaped mental patient gets into the hospital, and they think that he is Michael. And so they chase after him. Judy Greer's character tries to save him, and I thought this was so interesting, even if it didn't totally work. Um, because they get into these ideas of like you can't fight evil with evil and it was raising this question like is it better to fight evil with similar tactics or is it better to save something innocent which has not yet been harmed Um, ultimately i feel like they kind of don't fully explore these questions in a way that i would have liked but i'm i'm happy that they tried something different just so we're not getting the same thing Every single time, I
1: I agree with that completely about that second act there, um, and I think it would have landed much better had the rest tone of the rest of the movie not been like the goofy nineties slasher quadruple sequel formula yeah. with all the goofy performative kills and and just just because the like I said the tonal shift from when Michael debuted in this movie to. That scene, and then that scene basically was like a whole entire subplot, like a movie within a movie. And then just to go back to Michael being performative and just like all Michael doing Michael things again. It's like that. If if they had stuck to one tone over the other, like committed all to being a you know a cheesy performative kill horror movie slasher movie, or yeah. a you know a, more, a grittier more serious, like, social commentary about mob justice and just the how dangerous it, that mob justice or pseudo-mob justice can be. Right. If they had just stuck to one thing or the other, I feel like it would have been a cleaner movie. And I really wish that they would have stuck with the latter because 2018 kind of started setting up something that was going toward the latter but then yeah. I think they just tried to hamfist too much fanfare and fan service um, as far as, like I said, some of the tonal stuff.
2: We'll see. Oh, I just want to do a... I'll go ahead. I was so. just going to say on a point on that, I felt like it was just kind of thrown in like his whole Joker plan of getting... that. They're like, this is Michael's masterpiece. Is it? Is that yeah. his goal? Just to make everyone <laughs> yeah. like t- the town as evil as him? I just didn't... I don't know. I don't see Michael Myers as doing that. I don't think Michael cared. Yeah, Yeah. I think he just wants to kill people. (laughs) He's not trying to make everyone, like, bad. (laughs) Yeah.
0: I want to do a quick shout-out to all the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills fans. Uh, We had Kyle Richards in this movie playing Lindsay. Uh, She was the one who Michael chases in the park, and he's on the bridge, and she survives the night i thought it was her when i first saw her but i wasn't sure um but it was so if if we have any intersection between halloween and real housewives of beverly hills fans Quite a bit. this movie was for you like we we've been praying for years <laughs> and we finally got one that was just for us so this is a joyous day i will say another question do you guys think because they do this whole flashback thing uh with officer hawkins i believe his name was do you guys think that he was right in the past, in 78, to not
2: kill Michael Myers? I think he was right. I mean, he's a defenseless guy. You can't just put a bullet in his brain. I mean, <laughs> I can't. he killed a lot of people, but that's. I, I, I mean, he's a cop. I guess he's doing what what the system's supposed to do.
1: I, I agree with it. Do I think Hawkins thought he was doing the right thing in following procedure at the moment but i'm sure had he had the chance to go back he definitely would have done it and do i think he should have in the context of the movie no i don't i don't think so because he could not have known the kind of carnage that that uh michael would have brought later on after the carnage he already did and i mean it's really not his job to be judge jury executioner Yeah, it really goes back to this idea of having
0: to transcend the violence that you have suffered yourself, um, which I'm I'm glad this movie brought up, even again, if it it didn't totally work. Uh, Let's get into some kind of spoilers for the end now. (laughs) So this idea, these grand philosophical things that they brought in, I thought did not work at all for this ending. Michael oh, no. is, like, stabbed multiple times in the ad- abdomen. I don't know why they don't. This is the thing. Why in every movie do they not shoot him, chop up his body, set it on fire, <laughs> all that stuff? I don't. Why
1: Which, do they not do that stuff? They did try setting it on fire, and then the damn firefighters had to go and do their jobs. Well, that's true. That's a good point.
2: I mean, you did know? the firefighters save him? <laughs> like They just fell in with him, and he was fine. <laughs>
0: I thought that it was actually a good way, a good transition from one film to another, that he's in a house fire, and obviously the firemen are going to go put it out. I thought that was good, because usually it's just like Michael just got up after like, after he was killed. Like
1: the end of this movie?
0: Yes, exactly. <laughs> so the end of the... like, I was, He gets stabbed, he's beaten, everything happens, and then just because you can't fight brute force with brute force michael gets up so how do you fight him what, what, what is that leading to we can't which is i i'm hoping the last film will explore
1: that well uh, but i just didn't understand they're just I gonna give they, him I, a can of pepsi <laughs> <That's> gonna... <laughs> yeah. i i hope they do a lot with the last film because i'm getting i'm getting a lot of um star wars trilogy sequel trilogy vibes from these first two movies Okay, um, I
0: mean, if you want to take heat, go ahead with this.
1: Here's what i So here's here's what I'm. How I see it: the, Star Wars, The Force Awakens. It was a sequel boot of a beloved fan, franchise that set up, laid some pretty good groundwork for something new and for a new generation. Um, and I thought I loved it. I loved The Force Awakens when I first saw it and when it was first in theaters. I was so stoked. I was so ready to see what the next movie was. And then The Last Jedi came out. And I wasn't completely in the I hate The Last Jedi camp, and I'm still really not. I think it did a similar thing as Halloween Kills, where it kind of it tried to mix it up a little bit. It tried to go some new directions. It tried to get a little experimental. And some of it landed some of it didn't that's all well and fine but then came the rise of skywalker and we all know what happened with the rise of skywalker
0: yeah i think we're all in agreement on on this pod at least that uh not not our favorite
2: is there no. anyone that,
1: that says it is
0: <laughs> i I don't if know there,
1: if there is I would love them to write to us and, and we would like yeah you can d- you can write
0: to us and we will hear you out we're not here to judge no um, that was just our opinion you can write to us at uh, silverscreensaverspod at gmail.com we would love to hear what you think
1: but my so my biggest gripe about the, um, the rise of Skywalker is that they spent half of the movie trying to undo all the things that yeah. didn't land with The Last Jedi and at the, it, effectively, it effectively brought the whole movie, the whole final movie down when it could have been so much more.
2: Not only did they just I, undo it, it was like categorically, like they were checking off a list, like, by the way, oh, this no. isn't true. I
1: <laughs> <laughs> Which is why I really, I really hope, and I do think there is a chance, hopefully, if, as long as um, the filmmakers of the threequel, the, the final halloween movie in this trilogy they do what star wars didn't do and they just kind of live with what they did and own it for better or worse some people didn't like what they did okay but try and move forward given how the last movie is and then try to land it in a more satisfying and an original and satisfying as, as satisfying as they can make it way rather than waste half the movie trying to undo things be like oh yeah sorry uh didn't mean to do that oh that was an accident like oh um i got on this whole side quest
0: can i tell you what i wouldn't mind if they redo in the next film this we we we're gonna mention it justice for judy judy greer (laughs) i mean this this was an awful character kill i was not a fan of that at all it's so lame i agree yeah
1: i honestly i gotta say though i'm not mad that she got killed though
0: I am. You know what was bad, I, too? I mean, Judy Greer deserves better. The I mean, editing
1: on that. Horrible. Yeah. Just the knife yeah. to her face. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I think it was a it was a cheap kill, yes, but I'm, I also did not like her character, so I'm not mad that she's not going to be in the next one, presumably. I, I never disliked Judy Greer. I, it's nothing against Judy Greer. It's her character, specifically. I think she was named Karen for a reason.
0: I, I, I'm going to say it. I, I said ju- it. Leave Karens alone. <laughs> They're just named K. They didn't pick the name.
1: I mean, of course, they fun. could never have known, or their parents couldn't have known, the impact of naming a Karen. If you or someone you love has been affected by the name Karen, please write to us at yeah. silverscreensaverspod at gmail.com.
0: <laughs> yes.
2: Can, can can I... wait, before we go away from the, the, you know, the trilogy talk, I just want to point out this, this is my preferred trajectory for this last film. They go the Godzilla okay. route, and they just bring in like Freddy Krueger or something, and like Michael, we have to team up
1: <laughs> to take <laughs> him down. That'd be incredible. I, I, I love the series. That I, I would I would back that too. <laughs> Actually, yeah, absolutely. Actually, they got to bring in Gabriel from *Malignant*.
0: Which Gabriel?
1: Your Gabriel, her Gabriel. Oh
0: my Gabriel! My Gabriel.
1: <laughs> now the predator comes
2: to Haddon. <laughs> yeah
0: only not the, the the previous predator that was he's a he's a now. slightly
2: bigger predator now <laughs> oh no he's bigger is, now let me ask what is the point
0: of pulling off michael's mask because they make a point of doing this <laughs> I don't and, and everyone's like oh he's a man oh my god <laughs> But you don't show his face, but for what? We don't it's not like we don't know the he's Michael Myers. They use
2: his full name. I was wondering why they were like why it was a reveal. Oh, he's an old man. Like what is that? Why was that like hell like they literally blurred his face out on the news so you couldn't see it? They they give his date of birth, home
0: address, all his personal information, and like it's a reveal who he is.
2: That's like I I I, I, this is uh, going back to Star Wars there when they made a point to reveal like Kylo Ren was just Adam Driver like we know it's Adam Driver (laughs) and like like he turns and you're like oh yeah (laughs) I was expecting
1: that (laughs) Uh, yeah but yeah I um I, I am still optimistic about the third one again as long as they don't pull a pull a J J Abrams Disney Disney like boardroom. Trajectory and just like, oh, oh, the fans really didn't like that. Let's just pretend it didn't happen and put something else, some other zany plot twist in there, like Palpatine's back.
2: No, it's gonna be the plot twist gonna be like, Allison, Michael Myers is your father. (laughs) (laughs) Just kidding, he was nobody.
0: Oh, it's ridiculous. I have one more question, and it's that if you hear that a legendary killer in your town is on the loose you know this and you're walking out to the car with your wife do you go back in a bar for your fake stethoscope
2: <laughs> I, I was <laughs> under the impression that it was his real stethoscope and like uh, i thought you
1: know? maybe that too because he was a nurse right yeah. i mean stethoscopes aren't cheap man
2: yeah probably, still, probably get, it was but still it was so
0: nonchalant he's like Oh, hey, wife. Why don't you stay alone outside in the dark? I, I agree And with, I'll go back in and get the stuff. I
2: agree with that because, like, they were literally like, "We got to get out of here right now." And then, like, he just gets yeah. out there. He's like, "You know what? I'll be right back. Just stay there."
0: Yeah. And then he's like, "Oh, Michael Myers is in the car," and he just like approaches with a bat,
1: and you're like, oh, "I thought okay. I thought he
2: was gonna get run over immediately."
1: To be honest. <laughs> oh man, you know what? We haven't even talked about Big John and Little John yet okay
0: what's your spiel on big john little john
1: you know i don't i actually don't really have a whole lot to say about them other than first like i think you were the one that posed this question michael um why were they in that house like why did they want to be yeah in that why house? did they buy that i imagine it would what's have been pretty
2: cheap <laughs> <laughs> okay. i guess so fair it's a fair nice enough. house regardless <laughs> you know they probably get a good deal on it
1: is It is a nice house, but... I, the window. The, if you stand on the second floor and look out the window, I heard it's a really nice view. Yeah. That's um, the dumbest scene... No, it's, it's a real nice
0: reflection. You're not looking out, you're, you're looking, looking at yourself. Oh, yeah, that's true. That's true. Because there are no mirrors in the house.
2: <laughs> <laughs> you gotta look in the window. My, no, the, and then... the scene where he drops the robe and he's like, I got this knife.
0: <laughs> it's like the yeah. tiniest yeah. knife. I was expecting him to be locked and loaded because he seemed so
1: ready. <laughs> and I got this knife. <laughs> that is so dumb. And If anyone else noticed, um, Little John was played by, and I didn't even look up the actor's name, but the guy that played Stuart on Mad TV. Shout out from, Mad TV. From the classic Stuart sketches. Yeah, that was good. it was good to see him. And I was expecting when he got killed for them to just dub over uh clip of stewart going like what was it no or (laughs) stop or whatever whatever it was it's been so long since we've actually seen those but i thought that was a nice little uh it i don't know if it was an intentional easter egg but i thought it was a fun little uh little tidbit there could he
0: have run down the stairs like he was just staring at michael he's like michael You've come home. Yeah, what was that?
2: I thought it was supposed to be like he knew him or something. <laughs> he just they said were, so they were chums.
1: They were chums in nursery school.
2: Also, one of them. Ma-
1: no, wasn't one of the characters? Uh, was it Lonnie, or or someone that actually was? Or no, some one of the, the characters.
0: It was the the officer that got killed in the flashback. Oh, that's who it was.
1: Okay. that yeah. actually was chums with Michael and because he knew that
0: Michael would stare out
1: the window. But he's not staring out the window. He's staring at his he's reflection. He's staring at himself. Can we
2: talk about Lonnie? How did How did Lonnie die? He went Lonnie... in, there was one gunshot, and he was stuffed into the attic.
1: <laughs> Lonnie and his son were the two, two. Of, well, there were a lot of useless characters in this movie, but they those two were probably the mo- one of the most, two of the most useless characters th- in this the movie. The son
0: had so much in the 2018, and then here he was just kind of, like yeah, I prop. love that they
1: saved him for the sequel and then he just got I, I, immediately I mean
0: he saved officer Hawkins
1: so but that was yeah, I him. have a
2: gripe with that and that was like the it had to start with a dumb horror movie character he sees him like lying in the ground he's like you okay yeah. <laughs> you okay the dude's I'm playing. gonna have
0: a spiel about this later when we do our scary list but I don't know why so many characters now in horror movies have to just like be obnoxious people. You can do it yeah. with regular people. <laughs>
2: that's there's got to be like a strict uh, personality trait. They're an asshole. That's it. That's the character.
1: Yeah, that's so you, that's so you don't feel as bad when they get killed. But then you don't I really suppose. care either way for half of these yeah, characters. so, but there.
2: just the whole the whole going back to the scene where Lonnie dies. Um, Is she when she finds Little John with the knife and a, she has a shotgun and she's like, "Oh, I need this knife."
1: Oh my god, that's right.
2: (laughs) No one in the movie knew how to use a gun either. Like, I'm going to walk up to him and jam it in his face. They were all the worst shot. These are
0: the same people who are shooting James Bond. They're the same people who are shooting John McClane.
1: They're allergic to bullets. (laughs) Speaking of James Bond, I I feel like the same person, I said this before, the same person who was in charge of putting Ana de Armas into scenes in No Time to Die must have been managing jamie lee curtis in this one
0: yeah her trajectory is she's in the hospital after getting stabbed she recovers and then she goes out in the hall gets injured again and goes back to the
2: bed. The injury was so dumb too like the doctor runs into her and just like bam <laughs> 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 and the, my
1: and my biggest gripe about that is the fact that you know if you're gonna if you're gonna you know put jean you know laurie strode in kind of the background and let these other characters have have some time at least make them characters that you want to care about and that you
2: yeah that
1: that have a reason to be there and i thought
0: that the little and interactions between that. her and officer hawkins were that a little nice. bit sweet yeah it was a nice. little sweet i like a little sweetness it is halloween after all
2: i did not get emotionally behind tommy doyle in any way
1: no exactly. i did that's not point. either that's my point. Like, Tommy Doyle was just, he was there to basically incite the riot. Yeah. Also, second let's, act.
0: so your Halloween, people are just as mermaids and pirates and stuff. There's a three people singing up on stage. It's an open mic. You go up. And you tell a story about how several people were murdered in your town. That's your open mic act? What are you doing?
2: I, I also love that they come to congratulate him after. Like, oh, yeah. I didn't know that was you. And he's like, thanks, man. <laughs> <Wait."> thanks. <laughs> he says a compliment. Oh, every, I didn't know you almost died.
1: Of... But seriously, like, Sorry single... your friends
0: died, but here's, here's a round. <laughs> buy a round.
1: I'll yeah. buy a 30 years later. Every single one of the characters that they brought back, especially, like, of the kids, like, they had, like, one, oh, and the nurse, too, the nurse from the original, Marion. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Another, just total wasted potential. I mean, she was there just to do a little callback so he could kill her the same way that he tried to in the original. I mean, that was cool, I guess. Yeah. Yeah cool little fanfare but like other other than that what was she doing there
2: the dumbest action sequence of that film was that car scene where she's just yeah. shooting the windows yeah. <laughs> i got then, you michael <laughs> oh yeah when she was who did she say it was for
0: <laughs> this, is for, yeah, yeah, this is, is for loomis why are you pausing when michael is two feet from you this is for as, as though michael cares
1: as though he's gonna be butt hurt, yeah. And <laughs> they're getting revenge for Doctor Loomis. And then, and then Kyle Richards was there for one scene, for one chase scene, and then she dipped. <laughs> that, that was. Hey, then, I give it to her. She was good. She, I mean, she did fine. I'm not. This is absolutely. I'm not knocking her performance. Yeah. She worked. She did fine with what she was given. But. The Desert and Eagle Lonnie kill. Utah.
2: Funniest. I. I died laughing at that. And she goes up to the car, and he kicks the door, and shoots out in the face. Yeah, <laughs> so stupid. Yeah, that was kind of yeah. funny.
1: That was effortless
0: for Michael. That was a nice surprise.
1: I mean, I think that it was around that scene that I realized that things were going a bit off the rails with this movie.
0: Yeah, overall a, a big mess, but I'm glad it took it in a different direction. Yeah. Again, I would recommend this wholeheartedly to. Real Housewives of Beverly Hills and <laughs> Halloween fans. If you are in that that small niche of which I am a part, then we made it. You and the two it's other ours. people in
2: that niche
1: are having a, having a night. We're having a party, all right? Yeah, and you're you not are, invited. And if you are one of those two other people, feel free to reach out to us. We want to have you as a guest spot because Please you do. are a very special person.
0: If we could get Lisa Vanderpump in Halloween ends, that, I mean... That would be heaven.
1: Is that is that its title? Halloween ends. Yeah, I believe so. Oh, okay. I didn't realize that was already revealed. Yeah. Apparently, evil is gonna die that night. (laughs) Yes. Evil really dies tonight. They're going to have to start mean, another we mean, chant. We mean it this time. Evil dies. Evil dies. We're so, super serial this time. <laughs> the, bar, the bar scene where they... Because
2: that reminds me... When he's like, love lives today and evil dies tonight. <laughs> but the scene before that where they just the bartender's just talking about the bat, that was so out of place. Like, you could barely yeah. hear him. And he's like, my so daddy then,
0: He took the... So the, this was in this guy's family, right? Yes. Yeah. Then he just takes the bat? Yeah. Just another taking this. Here. I know it's been in your family for generations, but I need to beat an unstoppable maniac with a baseball bat. With a wooden baseball
2: a bat. A dude who's lived, like, literally everything they've thrown. Even in the, just the general two movies so far. He's lived being shot. He's lived falling off a house. He survived a house fire after being stabbed. And shot
1: in the face. yeah. <laughs> He also,
2: is. was his hand injured the entire time? I could have swore there were several scenes where he had both hands fine and he had his hand blown off in the last movie. They kind of showed <laughs> it at the end, but
1: I could have swore been, he had, he's had, like, it was fine. I mean, he's when... like ambig- ambiguously supernatural. They're always <laughs> like, oh, he's not just a mere man, but it's like, no, he's just a man. It's like, which is it?
2: Yeah, yeah exactly.
1: And she shot his could, hand off stronger. with a shotgun. Just blow both his hands off. What's he going to do? Headbutt you to death, <laughs> I mean maybe he's just got the healing factor like Wolverine and Deadpool. Yeah
0: it's he's going to pull off the mask going to be Hugh Jackman one of these <laughs> times. Oh, uh, uh, right. I don't know. All right, so please, we want to hear what you think about Halloween Kills. Please write into us at silverscreensaverspod at gmail.com. You can listen on Twitter and Instagram at screensaverspod. And our Facebook is silverscreensaverspodcast. We're going to take a break right now, but we're going to come back with our top three spooky things to watch. Right. welcome back. It is the Halloween season. It's one of my favorite times of year. Creepy stuff, spooky stuff. I love it all. I love it all year round, but I especially love it in the month of October. So here we are to talk about our top five creepy, spooky, scary things to watch. And I'm going to start it off with Matt. What is your number five?
1: Alright, my number five, and these for me are really in no particular order, but I'm going to put number five as the Fear Street Trilogy on Netflix. So yeah. it's a trilogy of movies based on the Fear Street books by R.L. Stein, and to summarize them, um, there's a lot, there's a lot to unpack with all three different movies. Each one takes place in a different year and a different decade. First one starts in 1994, second one in 1984, and the third one in 1666. Basically, the f- plot follows uh, uh, two towns that are. I don't know if I can't remember if they're like across the river from each other or just down the road or whatever, but one yeah. town is notoriously cursed, um, and the other town is not, and the not cursed town is a bit affluent compared to the cursed town. So there's some themes of, you know, class differences and things of that nature, as w- with also like a coat of paint of like a witchy kind of cursed haunted vibe for lack of a better term um and of course 90, 1994 it's on the 90s nostalgia train like a yeah. lot of media is lately um and then 1984 kind of brings back more of I like thought the, the second
0: one was i thought it was 78 the second one i
1: thought i thought it was 1984 no yeah uh, if if not then that that's awkward yeah 78 i'm sorry 1978 but it, it kind of brings that slasher genre to the table. Um, yeah, camp slasher. Yeah, camp slasher specifically. Um, and then 1666 pulls almost like an Army of Darkness style time, back in time jump. Um, and, I, I mean, it's hard to really say too much about it without giving it away. But picture it as like Goosebumps on steroids.
0: Yeah, it is mega fun. It is, there are a couple of excellent twists, uh, which are hard to pull off nowadays. Mm-hmm. Each movie kind of has its own feel, um, often its own cast, but a lot of characters recur. This has been, one, as a collective, the three films, one of my favorite watches in all of 2021. So you guys should definitely check out Fear Street on Netflix. Uh, Tyler, what is your number
2: five? My number five is the 2016's Don't Breathe. Uh, directed by Feta Alvarez. Um, it is a horror thriller. Um, it's got a great premise. It's about these kids that are uh, living in Detroit and they're breaking into houses to try to get enough money to move out to California. And they, uh, they one of the uh, guy's father is install security systems for the neighborhoods, so they have the master keys to all the houses and they can get in. And they make it look like a, um, like a non-professional robbery they steal a couple stuff that makes it look like someone just broke in and ran out and they do it so it doesn't it's under ten thousand, so it's not a felony if they get caught and then um they basically find out about this guy who got this huge settlement because his uh, daughter got killed in a hit and run um, by this girl and they uh of a rich family i believe so they paid out a settlement and he's like a blind war vet so they decide it's going to be an easy mark and that when they get there they realize like this guy's just like I mean, he's very competent and it, it, it's honestly just a really suspenseful ride like that's they're trying like the movie has a ton of silence because you know that that's he hears he can't see so it's definitely a really cool thriller that is you've really suspenseful throughout
0: excellent yeah and the the sequel don't breathe Two, just came out Mm -hmm. uh, this year where they rebrand rebranded him as uh, the hero of the story which i don't know how you feel about that
2: if you see the movie you definitely i think that tarnishes the legacy i have no interest in seeing the second one because the first one how bad like i don't want to spoil it but i mean if you see the first one and then you see the trailer for the second one you're just like really um But it's definitely an interesting watch. You see it all unravel you know, as more and more becomes revealed. It it really is cool. So I definitely recommend it.
0: All right. So this is our top five, but I'm going to cheat quite a bit. And I'm going to give you a lot of honorable mentions because there's just a lot of cool, scary stuff out there. Um, One I want to mention, I do want to talk specifically about 2021. We did have the Fear Street Trilogy, which I thought was excellent. And there is another... uh, horror movie that came out this year called The Stylist. This comes from us from Jill uh, Givergizian. I probably said that wrong, so my apologies. Um, Starring Najara Townsend. This is about a hairstylist um, who is lonely, doesn't really have anybody in their life, and she routinely scalps her clients and then will go down to like this this lair in her basement and like wear the scalps to pretend that she is the person Uh, i'm just gonna tell you this is b movie heaven it's i knew exactly where it was going the whole time Um, it's just it's oddly violent there are odd things that happen but if you are that kind of b movie horror fan definitely definitely check out the stylist i i recommend it uh other ones Besides Fear Street, the Goosebumps movie uh, with Jack Black as R.L. Stein, mm-hmm. I was like blown away when I saw
1: this. Um, it is a kids movie, but it is it's it, so good. It, it's so good. It, you're right. It transcends it the fact yeah. that it's a kids movie, technically.
0: Especially if you grew up on Goosebumps, your your eyes will light up if you see this movie. So definitely check that out. Um, Guillermo del Toro's Pan's Labyrinth is one of the best movies that I have seen that mixes real world and fantasy horror uh, just excellent Trick or Treat uh, which comes to us from Michael Doherty uh, this is quite a few years ago now this is kind of like uh, mixes different tales on Halloween night and they kind of overlap in certain ways has a really cool aesthetic uh, The Vast of Night by Andrew Patterson that came out last year this was not not super horror but like very creepy aesthetic about uh these two teens who use radio and they try to discover this alien plot Uh, i would definitely check that one out the others starring nicole kidman this is a very atmospheric uh horror film it's very creepy Uh, it's incredibly gothic if you're into that kind of thing Uh, this movie still of the night by robert benton uh, starring meryl streep it's again, not, not super horror, but I, I found it to be very creepy. Um, it's about a psychiatrist um, dealing with a patient dealing with a patient's family. Uh, I mentioned the Fly before. This is an excellent horror movie, uh, most any David Cronenberg. If anyone saw Annihilation from 2018, I believe, I wouldn't call that whole movie super horror, but the scene with the mutant bear in the house. That scene is terrifying. So check that out. And then I want to do a special shout out to anybody who watched the Scary Godmother movies as kids. They usually played them on Cartoon Network. And like the animation is so indicative of its time, but it like works so well. I think there were two of them. The second one was like The Revenge of Jimmy or something like that. But I used to, I loved watching those when I was a kid Uh, So special shout out to anybody who enjoyed those But I will go to my actual number five, which is the original Friday the 13th from 1980 It is directed by Sean Cunningham uh, features a young Kevin Bacon and I think if you go to watch this You should wipe away all your knowledge about Jason Voorhees about any of that stuff um, And you will be absolutely shocked. This is about uh campers who are going to work at camp crystal lake and they start being picked off one by one the formula is is familiar but the amazing thing about this is it's so it's so atmospheric it doesn't rely too much on jump scares it's so creepy uh and so gradual there are scenes where there's a scene where somebody is literally making a cup of coffee in the cabin and just like looking over her shoulder the whole time and it's so scary even though nothing happens um, and then when Pamela Voorhees comes out towards the end, it is, it is just completely shocking. I mentioned this before in our, our review of Halloween Kills is that I was kind of shocked when I watched this movie because none of these characters are like mega obnoxious. They're all just like pretty normal people who are like nice to each other. And, you know, they're having a little bit of fun, but they're not super annoying. Um, this, Friday the 13th is absolutely amazing I will say I will not give away the ending, um, but somewhere in the movie, I won't say when, it has one of the scariest jump scares I've ever seen in my life. It's one of those that gets me on repeated viewings. Even though I know it's coming, it still gets me every time. Um, So absolutely amazing horror movie, Friday the 13th. Matt, what's your number four? So
1: let me just, just to make sure, is it the jump scare that I'm pretty sure most of us who have seen the movie are thinking of?
0: yes it's so scary really
1: even after even even on repeat
0: watches because it has that like amazing music that i haven't heard anywhere else and i'm never sure exactly at what second it's gonna happen true true it terrifies me that's
1: true all right so my next one um it's a shutter exclusive so if anyone here anyone listening uh has a as a fan of horror movie movies um Shutter is basically the horror movie streaming channel service thing. I think it falls under the umbrella of is it AMC Plus as well? Yes, it does. Um, or you can just get it as like a channel on Prime Video or whatever. Um, so it's it was a direct to streaming service movie. Um, it came out I think twenty either twenty twenty or maybe early twenty twenty one. It's called Psycho Gorman or PG for short, and it is the synopsis. Is basically pretty pretty on the nose. So it's it says after unearthing a gem that controls an evil monster looking to destroy the universe, a young girl and her brother use it to make him do their bidding, and so just from that, I mean, you can pretty much tell that it's going to be a B movie, like a, but it's a, it's a B horror movie and it wears it on its sleeve, but it's like a almost like a horror comedy at parts but um at the same time it it dials up the gore like crazy there are some real like cheesy bloody parts um it's definitely not a kid's movie but it's also like if these two kids found like a like a like a b-rate power ranger monster costume and threw it on a, on a guy is is the best way to describe the costume design but it's it's just so in, it's like endearing at the same time it's the way that just you the way it's 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 hard it's a hard movie to describe because it it just blends like the lighthearted lens of like a kid finding such a creature finding such a creature or two kids really yeah. um but with like brutal horror almost inserted for comedic effect it's it's a very interesting movie and i and if you subscribe to Shudder, or if you want to do a tri- free trial of Shudder, don't miss this one um if all you're in check out psycho Gorman. yeah psycho Gorman.
0: all right tyler you're number four
1: so i noticed we have the same number four is that uh bad um you, you, could, you could just kind of tack on if you have more commentary, I guess.
0: You and me, or?
1: Yeah, you and. I, no, you and. You, you know.
2: do it. You sure? Yeah, do it. Okay. So I went with uh, A Quiet Place. Everyone knows A Quiet Place now. John Krasinski awesome. directed it. But um, I just honestly think it's, it, it was just one of the best horror experiences I've had in theaters in recent years. Yeah. I mean, it created this, like, the, the atmosphere of the film was incredible. You know, they they have it all drenched in silence. So, like, the entire time I'm on the edge of my seat not knowing what's going to happen. And, like, you're really, like, even when nothing happens, you're still like, oh, my God, something's happening. I think it does that really well. A lot of times, like, horror movies relying on jump scares, you know, they you can see them coming a lot. Because, you know, everything gets silent all of a sudden and it's building up to it. But this is, it sets you in that. So, like, you're expecting it. And when it doesn't come, you're still, like, you're not, you, you, you don't, like, have any relief. You're you're all, uh, you know, like, oh, my God, something's happening. I think one of the most effective jump scares in a movie. <laughs> yeah, I know what you're talking about. The, the raccoon scene? Yeah. <laughs> yes, oh, my God. Like, I was literally like, oh, okay, it's just a raccoon. <laughs> yeah. Like, it like, literally jumped out of my seat. So, yeah. I think, I, I, I haven't actually seen it outside of theaters, so I don't know if it's still... Oh,
1: that thing that see, like... i was the opposite i didn't i did not see it in theaters so i feel like i almost oh. I, I feel like i almost lost something on it or, or something i missed something by i i think i missed some of the ambiance by not seeing it in theaters still a great movie yeah,
0: it's tyler i completely share your enthusiasm this is such a good movie we got uh john krasinski melissa simmons noah jupe who are all incredible and emily blunt just uh Knocks it out of the absolute park in this. She was absolutely incredible. She has to give birth while being silent. Um, it is difficult enough to give birth. Please uh, thank people who give birth. Uh, but <laughs> it's, this is so heartfelt. Uh, the world is so, so uh, immersive. The, the shot of like the red light bulbs going on is, just sticks out in my mind. I will say the scariest thing, maybe even scarier than the raccoon, is the nail. the nail nail on the stair the whole time i was like please do not step on the nail please and it wasn't even like fun like in home alone when marv steps on the nail it was just like come on but yes that is a quiet place another movie like don't breathe that had a sequel that come out this year that um i did not think lived up to the first one no. quite at all. It was a little bit too repetitive to me. It was still a fun time with the movies, um, but it, it didn't quite grow as much as I would have liked it to. But the, the original Quiet Place, absolutely amazing. Matt, what is your number three?
1: Alright, my number three. I gotta go with... Um, I'm just going up the list here. Uh, i gotta go with Train to Busan for my okay, next one. Cool. I want to talk about Train to Busan. Um, I think I might have briefly briefly alluded to it last week when i mentioned squid game because the salesman from squid game was also played was played by the same man that played the father uh father slash protagonist in train to busan so train to busan um basically takes place there's a zombie apocalypse going on in korea south korea and they are on a uh, train from seoul to busan and basically, it's about the passengers trying to survive the zombie outbreak while on a train for the majority of the movie. It's a, relative, it's a relatively simple premise. They There are some other plot points that kind of tie the outbreak back to some of the characters. Um, I don't want to say much more than that without giving it away. But it... Also had a nice touching um, plot about a father who didn't really spend enough time with his child, his daughter, and um, he, him. So a father and daughter. They're like the two main protagonists that are stuck on this train that is being slowly overrun by zombies and people getting getting killed by zombies and turning into zombies left and right. And these are like we're talking fast zombies, not like the Oh, World War, zombies, zombies. Like World War Z zombies! World War Z zombies! World War Brad zombies! It's—I it's, I mean, I'm—I'm still—I'd say still say I'm pretty novice when it comes to Korean film, but all every time I watch something that has come out of Korea, I've loved it.
0: Yeah, please, um, uh, please watch more foreign
1: films, people. For sure. Um, I also want to highlight some of the talent that is in this movie. Um, so Gong Yu. Who played the father in this movie, and in Train to Busan? Like I said, he was also the salesman in Squid Game. So if you've seen Squid Game, he's the guy that offers to play um, play the game with Gi-hun so he can win um, the money. Win like I think it was like a a hundred thousand won or something. Like it was a relatively small amount compared to the the actual Squid Game plot pot. But um, he's the one that kind of initiated the protagonist of Squid Game into getting into the Squid Game but that that's a discussion for another day also Ma Dong I'm gonna butcher his name and I apologize Ma Dong Suk who he is he plays a father-to-be who who is on the train with his pregnant wife in Train to Busan and he is also slated to play Gilgamesh in the upcoming Eternals movie oh and Woosik Choi, who, for those of you who have seen *Parasite*, the son from he is the son from *Parasite*. Oh, that's so. Movie. I'm sure there there's other talent in that movie that may be more familiar to Korean cinema, but I wanted to highlight at least those three, um, because I I feel like they would be probably be the most the most like pro- I guess prominent right now yeah. in American cinema are most accessible because they've been in some really popular stuff or soon to be popular stuff. But um right. overall, it's a it's a just a good good solid probably one of the best zombie movies in recent years.
0: All right, if you're into zombies, check out Train to Busan. Tealer number 3.
2: Number 3 for me is I think a very underrated film came out in 2019. It's uh ready or not which yeah. was directed by matt I don't, bettinelli open and tyler Gillette or gillett <laughs> sorry for, for those people who died just names i just murdered you jerk but uh, I, i'd say it, it's a horror movie but i'd say it's more of a thriller and it's basically about the le domas family and um you learn that they created this successful gaming company like board games and stuff and um this you follow a woman named grace played by samara weaving who's excellent in it um and she is this like poor orphan who is marrying into this family of vast wealth and she's overwhelmed and you know you learn that like she has to follow this tradition that every new family member into the ladomas family has to play this game where there's a puzzle box and you have to pull a card and you have to play that game And you find out, like, they they create the grandfather of the family, who's built a fortune, made a deal with this guy named Labelle. And that was basically the deal. Like, I'll give you this fortune, but you have to do this every time you have a new family member. And so she pulls it, and she gets hide-and-seek, and and she's like, oh, that's silly, but whatever, you know, I'm getting into this great family, so, like, I'll do whatever this stupid game is. And then you learn that, like, the hide-and-seek means they have to find her and kill her before the morning or else the fortune is gone so she she plays along with it thinking she's just hiding like she's high and then she sees them like start accidentally kill someone thinking it's her so she starts freaking out and then it's just like a descent into as she's trying to escape the family stuck in the house trying to get around it in this like big mansion and it's just a really cool movie samara weaving plays excellent in it um the at the like there's a brutal scene at the end that like her reaction which i guess was improvised is just oh, incredible like it just changes the scene so much but uh you have to watch it but it's a great twist at the end and it's just an awesome movie. i, I second recommend that. It. that is a great that
1: movie was amazing
2: all right check out ready or not my number three is a
0: movie from 2006 this is monster house this is an animated movie fun fact uh I was 10 years old when this movie came out and i was going with my father and my sister we were headed to see back at the barnyard the <laughs> kevin james <laughs> cow movie and my sister when we got there this was like this was, these are the days before you prepaid for tickets so my sister was like hey we should see monster house instead and You cool with that? And I was like, yeah. And I am so glad (laughs) that I saw that instead of back at the barnyard. Monster House is about uh, three kids in a suburban neighborhood who, after their crotchety neighbor is taken to the hospital, they notice that the house uh, that is across from the main character's house is exhibiting strange activity. It seems like the house is alive. And so they investigate... Um, they battle with the house. A whole bunch of cool stuff happens. It just really captures sort of that youthful Halloween trick or treating, creepy but not too creepy, very fun Halloween vibe. Um, and even if you're an adult, I would definitely check out Monster House. I believe it is currently on Netflix. That is my number three, Matt. What is your number two?
1: I'm one second. I'm just trying to find that uh, that like notorious dirty joke that they slid in monster house about the house that when they were talking about it's uvula
0: oh they think it's a girl house yeah
1: oh yeah he's like so it says oh um the house has a uvula and then the kid's like oh so it's a girl house
0: (laughs) i you know you gotta have
1: something for the parents you know uh man okay so my number two um, I'm gonna go with the movie Green Room from 2015. Yeah, it's a good one. Classic, uh, one of my favorite A24 movies. I like almost anything that A24 makes, but, um, this one is starring Anton Yelchin, may he rest in peace. Emojin Poots, I'm pretty sure I pronounced that wrong, um, and Sir Patrick Stewart. And it is a horror, well, it's like a thriller horror. It's got, um, Got some grindhouse elements, some some thriller elements, some haunted not haunted house because they're not ghosts, but sort of trapped in a room type horror stuff. Um, so it's about a punk rock band that basically gets their gig canceled last minute, so they end up picking up uh, a set at this neo Nazi bar in like the middle of nowhere, and basically they're in the green room for like a solid chunk of the movie i'd say at least like first first act part into part of the second act um and they witness the nazis kill somebody and basically because they are witnesses and they're trying to get out the nazis basically trap them into in the green room which for those of you that don't know what a green room is it's like a, basically a space where the bands ha- like sit and hang out before they're set and keep all their equipment um so very it's very grotesque in some parts it's very gory yeah
0: i was gonna say it's a, it's uh, a tough it's a, watch it's a really good movie but if you are faint of heart with gore i would not watch it yeah
1: but i think it's, it's definitely one of the one of the scariest movies i've seen in a while in yeah. that regard um and sir patrick stewart plays the leader of the neo-nazis which I thought was a very interesting role, light to see him in. Um, Anton Yelchin, Imogen Poots, and all the rest of the cast do a great job. All right,
2: Tyler, number two. My number two is Stanley Kubrick's 1980 masterpiece, The Shining. Oh, wow. Are <laughs> you surprised what? by that? No, I please preach on it <laughs> so the shining is based on a stephen king novel actually stephen king hated this movie yes he, he thought it was a big departure from his book it so is i can verify that it. okay yeah i never read it I so have, i can't yeah. say um and he actually also hated the casting of jack nicholson oh, uh, i didn't know that he, he yeah he told the studio not to but that uh, stanley kubrick told him it was non-negotiable hmm. um the reason for that was because he had just played in One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. So they said that he wanted someone they wouldn't buy as like crazy first. Oh, I see. They, he said he could, they could see him as like crazy before it like unfolds. That but makes sense. I think Jack Nicholson was incredible in that role. His It's his be, one of his best roles in my opinion. Um, and it's just about this family that's uh, sent to, I think he's being like the winter keeper of a resort yeah, in Colorado. Like yeah, the Overlook Hotel. And he, he, yeah, it basically is just the three of them in there. And he basically starts losing, you know, he loses his sanity. And all this strange occurrences happening. And it's genuinely, like, there's some really terrifying parts that... I think pop culture has kind of lessened with... <laughs> I think everything in that movie has been referenced to death. Yeah. But I, I don't hold that against the movie. I mean, obviously, it was... The reason it's been referenced so much is because it's so good and it. those are such great scenes like you know like here's johnny and stuff um but i mean incredible film and i recommend it to anyone yeah. to watch it it's if so they haven't.
0: creepy and unnerving i would also recommend the book because the book goes in a lot of different directions um than than the movie does like tyler mentioned i think one of the reasons why um stephen king wanted somebody that you could believe was sane at first is that because in the book they do lean Stephen King does lean more into the idea that Jack Torrance is sort of a regular father, regular husband before he goes insane. Whereas uh, in the movie they do that a little bit, but I think uh, Nicholson goes, gets a little unhinged very quickly.
2: Well, they did basically mention that he, he did hit um, his son. Yeah. He he breaks his arm right before. yeah. 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 Yeah
0: all right excellent i absolutely agree the shining is incredible my number two is going to be a collective pick this is not going to be one movie uh, but this is definitely an appreciation shout out to the creepy movies of tim burton uh there i am referring to edward scissorhands sleepy hollow sweeney todd frankenweenie beetlejuice corpse bride uh he wrote the nightmare before christmas uh you know him you love him if you haven't seen those movies you definitely should he has created his his own aesthetic this this gothic magical world of very scary whimsy and fun um tim burton is exactly what i think of when i think of like halloween season creepy fun especially if you've ever seen like the opening 20 minutes or so of sleepy hollow he is absolutely incredible uh, and i appreciate what he has given to film so that is my collective number two are the creepy movies of tim burton so let's move to number ones, Matt. What is your number one scary thing
1: to watch? The movie It Follows. Have you guys seen oh, that? Oh yeah, I you, haven't seen yeah. it, but I heard it's cool. Um, so it's about basically this monster. The the antagonist is basically this monster that um it it follows, but um the <laughs> that's wow, but wow. <laughs> <laughs> well, but, the thing, but the, but, oh. it's a thing. <laughs> oh, I should have said the thing too. Dang it! But um, no. So basically, the the way to get someone to get it to follow someone is to is basically through sexual intercourse. Ew. Yeah. So it starts off, um, but. Honestly what hooked me with this movie was the first scene because it shows this this girl she's like in her pajamas kind of running through this residential neighborhood there's like no one around and you can't it never shows like anything actually following her but she it's clearly acting like something's chasing her and she's paranoid and she's like knocking on houses and she's clearly like so scared but it doesn't give any context as to why at first unless yeah. you know what the movie's about but so it shows her It shows her, um, eventually she gets to, like, this beach. It's at nighttime, and, you know, she's, like, still running from this thing. We don't know what it is. Next thing you know, it cuts to, like, the next day, and she's, spoiler alert, dead. She's just dead on the beach, and her leg is, like, twisted to face the other way, and it just has, like, this long, like, it sort of pans out, and, um, it's just something about that, the scene, it's just very gripping like it makes you it has a lot of intrigue and makes you really want to know like what is you know what the story is what was following her nice yeah so go check oh, out it, that, follow, was, it follows
0: is that your number that one number one all right number one tyler number one
2: in space no one can hear you scream <laughs> 1979's alien uh, ridley scott's one of my favorite movies of all time honestly um, it, uh, one of the most iconic movie monsters, the, the Xenomorph, um, just incredible. And I, I think now you definitely, I mean, you've seen the thing, but the, the suspense of it, like they don't show it until way, very late into the film. Yeah. So if you see, I mean, you see that the Xenomorph everywhere, so it's kind of spoiled now, but Oh my God. Like the, the face huggers when they come on in the, just grip the guy around the face and then all of a sudden he's fine. And then are we spoiling these movies? I, I feel like you've uh, had fast forward. You've if you had don't 40 want alien. 40, yeah. Fast I mean, forward. Not if you haven't
0: years. been alive, not all of us have been alive since 79. Fair enough.
2: Fair enough. I mean, I haven't, but, I, <laughs> um, but no, that's the the face hugger. And then he wakes up and he's fine. And he's, he's going about. And one of the craziest scenes in movie history to me is when they're just eating, uh, dinner or breakfast or whatever. And then he just starts falling on a table and the thing <laughs> bursts out of his chest. Yeah. Oh my God. It's, it's incredible. And just, I love the world they built. Like now, obviously it's kind of anachronistic, like the computers and stuff. We have better stuff now. And it's supposed to be in like 3000 something. But I love that. I love the aesthetic of like the old school computers and stuff on the spaceship. Yeah. the like the pure white walls, it's such an old school sci-fi vibe and i i I love that they stuck with it and they didn't update it for like the stuff that's coming out now like it's sticking with that aesthetic yeah and i think that's such a classic part of it
0: i agree i watched this just last year and the production design is totally captivating it's incredible it's a complete world um and i want to highlight one of your points because i completely agree is that like i said with friday the 13th and like you said with the xenomorph is that you don't really know what the killer is for most of the movie which I think uh, adds this this element of mystery and just total creep factor. But yeah, I think Alien, obviously a classic. Check it out.
2: Add, add to that real quick um, is that like I, it, at the time they didn't really advertise Sigourney Weaver as the lead. Yeah. So you know you didn't know who was gonna survive and what. And I think I would have loved to have seen it without knowing that. I mean, obviously she was the lead.
0: especially because the suspense in this one lasts until like the last second.
2: Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, absolutely. Until the very end. Until they have to break. And it's one of the few movies where, like, they got a sequel, and it was actually really good. I love Aliens. It's a completely different genre. Yeah. Uh, James Cameron turned it into an action film, but it's incredible. I love Aliens so much as well. So yeah. check out Aliens as well, but don't expect a horror movie. It's more of a action thriller, but
0: incredible. Uh, I agree. My number one is one of my favorite movies of all time. I don't know if I've ever discussed this with you guys. Uh, But my number one is Coraline by Henry Selick. Um, This is based on an incredible book by Neil Gaiman. Um, It is about a girl who moves with her mother and father uh, to this apartment building, and she finds a door into this sort of nether region where she meets replicants of her mother and father and her neighbors, but they all have buttons sewn into their eyes. Um, She has misadventures. Yeah, I won't give anything away because you should experience for this self. It is so creepy. Uh, the the music is amazing. The voice acting is amazing. The animation that's stop motion. This is by Laika Studio. That was the same studio that did Paranorman, The Box Trolls, Kubo and the Two Strings. Um, it looks so amazing. Um, I should learn some new adjectives, <laughs> but it's just that good. Yeah, so please check out Coraline is
2: one of my favorites ever. So I've never actually seen Coraline, but I, 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 I mean, just from like seeing what I've seen from it, the, the look on, it looks unnerving as yeah, well. It like is,
1: it's <laughs> so scary. I saw that. I, like, the it was, it was so good.
0: I don't think you're going to be, I mean, shaking in your boots now, but it's yeah. still like, it's so creepy and it's exactly, it's so comforting to me to watch Uh, it's definitely a comfort food movie even though it does just revolve around some very disturbing themes Um, and it's definitely one that is rewarding with rewatches yeah like yb like yb and i don't believe yb is even a character in the book um so that was definitely an instance in which they changed something from the book and it actually worked out
1: that's interesting i didn't, didn't know that
0: yeah the book is uh different in some ways they kept the main but But both of them, it's one of those examples where both of them um, are excellent in their own right. So good. Those are our top five. Mine was like a top 20 creepy things (laughs)
2: list. I I want to throw an audible mention that we did mention already briefly. The thing. I mean, watch the (laughs) thing. John Carpenter is like the master. Spoiler alert.
0: There is a thing in the movie.
2: It's it's about a thing.
0: (laughs) There is about a thing. Well, here is to another year of horror movies we're going to cover more as the year goes on Uh, so this is not just going to be an october thing we'll be updating you as they come out i believe we have one uh this month i think coming out called antlers which has been shelved for a while but i am anticipating that Uh, so please stick with us and please let us know what your favorite creepy things to watch are again you can write into us at silver screen savers pod at gmail.com follow us on twitter and instagram at screensavers pod and our facebook is silver screensavers podcast matt where can you be found on the internet
1: you can find me instagram and twitter at Matty x Sturds with a z um i finally started using twitter again and i put my hot take of halloween kills up on there about how it's about Halloween kills, and it's disturbing. Well, I wouldn't say disturbing. It's interesting parallels to the Star Wars sequel trilogy. I meant to ask you about that. What do you mean by that yeah, you, specifically? Par- what that it parallels? Like you said, it's it's like the following the same. Trajectory. That it's following the same nice. trajectory. And what I mean is like, think about it. The Force Awakens. I I mean I love the Force Awakens. I guess some people didn't like the Force Awakens. But I thought The Force Awakens was promising, and I thought it was fine, and I thought it was good. Oh, yeah. And then that... I agree with that. But then The Last Jedi kind of took it in a whole... Oh, so it's just a quality standpoint, yeah. you mean? And Yeah. Okay, Not I like see. Liter- okay. I thought you
2: meant, like... Narratively. Not narratively.
1: Although, they do both start... I mean, The Last Jedi also starts immediately after the end of The Force Awakens, doesn't it? Or am I thinking of... No, never mind. I'm thinking 8 to 9 starts yeah yeah, never mind.
0: yeah it's fine all right tyler where can you be found on the internet
1: i
2: found twitter and instagram at tyler sutkus and just a quick shout out right here to kyle schwarber who just hit a grand slam against the astros go socks okay
0: <laughs> all right and you can find me michael Gell, on instagram and twitter at michael underscore Gallat that's G-A-L-A-T and I'm on Litterbucks at M Gallat well thank you guys so much for sticking it out with us uh, please come back again where we have more movies to talk about
1: Silver Screen Savers podcast was co-created written hosted and produced by Michael Gallat Tyler Sukis and Matt Sturdivant with additional editing by Matt Sturdivant intro music by Charles Michel via Pixabay logo designed by Nathan Seidel we <laughs>